Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. them on a local and state level as opposed to putting all of our money, trust, faith, um, effort into simply um, a, a president or a Congress. Well, yeah, that's right. And that's what we got to identify because we know where the Democratic Party stands. That's not even up for debate anymore. It is it is basically figuring out and isolating those in the Republican Party that are true constitutional Americans, those who actually believe in the Constitution. And, and I mean, I, I had this conversation with somebody yesterday off the show. But, I mean, if these people – I'm a theologian. So if these people understood when they put their hand on that Bible and they promised Almighty God that they would – All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Freedom Fest fourth day continues. People running around everywhere. I need some food, man. We we do so much radio that we don't even we forget to eat. It's so awesome with all the different people we meet and all that's happening. It's incredible. Ariella Moskowitz is her name, and she is director. I should say communications director, director of communications of decriminalized sex work. Um, DSW, if you will, decriminalize sex work. Um, but it also has to do with human trafficking. We'll get into that, too. Two interesting topics, to say the least. They want to promote health and safety. Um, they say they'll never stop fighting for bodily or body autonomy. Decriminalizesex.work is the website. Ariella, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Thanks for having me. All right, tell me about you first. Sure. Um, so I'm director of communications at Decriminalized Sex Work. I've been with the organization a couple years. Um, I have a background in social justice, direct service, harm reduction, um, really doing what I can to improve people's health and safety and make sure that nobody has to do anything with their body that they don't want to and that folks who um, want to do things with their bodies that others might not necessarily like have the option to, um, you know, it's the ultimate freedom. Sure. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Miami, Florida. I tried to escape a couple times. Uh, it kept pulling me back, so it's home now. And you live in Miami, Florida? I live in Miami with my nine-year-old son. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Uh, so tell me a little, then, how did you get into this stuff? Tell, give me kind of your life pattern. What got you into this, though? I mean, girls just don't grow up and end up involved in this kind of work, right? Um, some do. So, um, you know, for me, it's really about um, 
the activism around it okay. and really promoting this idea that two consenting adults involved in a transaction should not be um, surveilled by the government or have the government involved in their business. Um, so, you know, this principle extends to many different issues, not just sex work. Sure. Um, but to individuals doing something that they decide to do that isn't hurting anyone else, this is not something that we should be arresting people for. Um, and, and, you know, we know arrest in this country has devastating consequences. And so when you're saddled with an arrest record for something you did that didn't harm anyone, uh, your chances to do something else later on in life that you might want to do are drastically hindered. What would prepare you to be able to understand all this, to be involved in this or whatever? Uh, in other words, were you or are you a prostitute? I am not. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just trying to understand. No, it's right? not offensive. Okay. Um, I myself am not. Um, okay. And I'll let you know, too, that a lot of folks who do do sex work, we use the word prostitution because that's the term that's in our laws. Our vernacular, um, sure. Right. But prostitute is not a preferred term. Um, we prefer the term sex work because it's a form of labor, just like lots and of other forms of labor. And it is the oldest profession. It is. what It is the oldest profession. So uh, there you go with that. All right. So what what got you here? Did you were you did you graduate from college and are you kind of a communications director? Were you, how did you gravitate here? Is what I'm trying to understand. Um, let me think about that for a second because my my path has not been linear, um, and uh, I sure. thought I would be talking more about some of the issues we work on. You I'm will. not used to talking about my uh, myself this much. You will, but but people are kind of wondering though. How do you get in this if you're not a sex worker? If you're not other would call prostitute or whatever, and, you know, how do you get into this? How do you gravitate to this? How do you and, and we'll talk about the moral discussion here in a minute, too. Sure. Well, um, I'm a harm reductionist. I okay. believe there's lots of things we will never get rid of. We know that prohibition breeds ruthlessness. Yes. And so the best thing we can do is to make things safer for people. So we know that when we banned alcohol, it didn't go away. It caused yeah, terrible it things well to happen. <laughs> we know that we can't ban abortion. We can only ban safe abortion. Um, and, you know... We can't stop people from engaging in, in sex work, nor do I think we should. But um, even if people feel that they, they should, it's not possible. And so well, we the can't best even thing... stop people from murder, right? No. Um, but they're, you know, that, it's a little different from sex work. No, but I'm just saying we can't stop people from doing stuff is my point. You cannot legislate this morality. You cannot legislate or mandate things. Um, people just don't do that, right? Exactly. And the laws around prostitution in this country are not really based um, in fact or in reason. They are based in morality. They're based in ideology. Actually, a lot of the laws that have been on the books since the early 1900s around prostitution are really based in racism and misogyny. Um, so when you think about, you know, back to the question about why I care about this, why I'm involved in it, I'm tired of seeing people hurt by laws that really make no sense when we know that there's a fair amount of evidence out there that shows that where we decriminalize consensual adult sex work, public health and safety go up and trafficking goes down. So actually, back to why I do this, I don't want to see people exploited. And Understood. So, yeah. and, and a fair point. And that's why, uh, and on one hand, you hear about the, the sex work discussion, but you also hear about human trafficking in the same sentence because they're sadly linked, right? Well, not totally. There's a, there's a big push in this country to conflate consensual adult sex work and human trafficking. And they're not the same. Um, and that's one of the biggest misconceptions we're fighting. Um, we know that where they are conflated and our laws conflate them, um, victims are treated like criminals. 
and folks, uh, innocent folks are needlessly arrested. So the way our laws are structured right now does nothing to help folks who are being exploited and everything to hurt folks who are doing things consensually. We know that on average, uh, folks being exploited in the commercial sex industry are arrested seven times before they're able to uh, escape exploitation. So the way our laws function right now, we saddle those people who are, you know, potentially being forced to do or who are yeah, being forced to do really. something against their will we saddle them with an arrest record and we put them through what's called you know several states have human trafficking intervention courts um, and my big question is is somebody's a victim why are we putting them in court you know we don't need to arrest people to help them we need to figure out how to help them we need to look at the systems and structures that actually lead to making folks vulnerable to exploitation and it's not that prostitution exists the fact that sex work exists is not what allows for sex work for people involved in it to be exploited. Of course. So let me ask you this then. Is how much of where we sit now today when it comes to the laws is historical uh, versus how much of it is, um, I don't know what you say, manipulated? Tell me where we're at in terms of how we got here first, right? Sure. So what we got here, as you said, because of folks' morals and ideology, um, some of the first laws on the books are from the early 1900s, 1910, the Mann Act, um, commonly known, you know, as kind of like the white, uh, people call it quote unquote white slavery act, banned the transportation of women across state lines for immoral purposes. Most people who were arrested under this law were showgirls traveling around and um, people um, in interracial relationships. It was a way to arrest black men um, for being in love with white women and, and vice versa. Um, so we see the Mann Act in 1910. That's, that's, by the way, how government got involved in marriage in the first place, too, right? Yes. And Which is a shame, but I'm just highlighting this. That even relates to the to the institution that most you know marriage kind of discussion or whatever. It even that that's really kind of a, in a lot of ways how they got involved. They didn't want black men marrying white women. It is, and it's still why we see a lot of the um, attitudes around sex work that we we see today. And we know marriage is um, you know back to potentially being legislated in a way that we don't think it it should. And it's another place where we see the government infringing on people's lives in a way that that doesn't make any any sense we so have where in the constitution it. does it talk about sex or sex work well i do it doesn't talk it doesn't about, oh no. interesting maybe no. they shouldn't be involved in it then huh we can end the show there right <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying look it isn't in the constitution people it's not in the declaration of independence it's not in the magna carta it's not in the um, uh, the articles of confederation um, it's really not in any of that stuff, right? So where does this stuff come from? It comes from uh, a lot of our ideas about what women should be like. I should point out there, too, not, you know, sex workers are not a monolith. They're not all women. But the laws around it are really grounded in this view that women need to be protected. At the same time, they're incredibly misogynistic. And so they're all inherently contradictory. Um, again, going back to arresting people to save them from themselves. No, I'm um, going to make a statement, and I don't want you to bristle at it. I want you to just walk with me. I'm being fair, right? Yeah. I'm being good, so just walk with me on this. Don't, don't, don't think I'm trapping you or playing games. I don't play games. Okay. Uh, do women need to be protected? Do women need to be protected? Yeah. I mean, I think everyone needs certain oh, types of yeah. protection. Everyone needs to be protected. And huh? everyone needs certain types of freedoms. Sure. Um, I'm not sure who I need to be protected from 
right now that a law on the books banning prostitution. Oh, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying this. The whole purpose of government is to protect us from those who would wrong us, take away our rights, violate us, abuse us in whatever way. And in the same breath, they take away our rights. Oftentimes, sadly true. Yeah. Yes. So that's what I mean by walk with me on this. I'm not trying to bait you or play games or put you into a corner. I'm just trying to say the whole purpose of government is to allow liberty to protect our God-given inalienable rights. Your body is your temple. It's yours. Right. That's what we're talking about, right? Yep. Well, those of us who grow up with a certain amount of privilege, you know, when you're little, you're taught that laws are meant to keep you safe. Yeah. Um, and that is really, you know, we only feel like that's a, a feeling that we have when you have a certain amount of privilege, when your life is not ruined by the law, right? When your dad hasn't been arrested, when your, your circumstances don't um, mean that you have to interact with law enforcement on a regular basis. And, you know, you get a little older and you realize, well, no, laws aren't always meant to keep us safe. Laws are legislating feelings. They are legislating actions. Fear. They are instilling fear. They are stigmatizing. We know that sex work is not dangerous, is not inherently exploitative or bad. It's dangerous because it's criminalized. The criminalization of it is what puts people in danger. So in the same breath that we're saying we're protecting people, we are actually pushing them further underground where they're really vulnerable to bad actors. Thus the pimp, right? Yeah, another another opportunity to uh, share with you some um, some vernacular here. So we call pimps third parties, and um, they've gotten a bad rap. And um, when we decriminalize consensual adult sex work, people won't be so reliant on those third parties. You know, everything that we say we do to help people actually pushes them into the hands of people they you know, may not otherwise want to want to work with. And once it's decriminalized, if they do want to work with a third party or a manager who they feel safe with and, and trust, great. But right now we're we're pushing people to work with folks that they might otherwise not choose to work with. So I want to talk about this uh, because I think it's important. You know, no matter what people choose to do uh, with their bodies, with their lives, with their beliefs, with their actions, we need to realize that we're all God's children. And, and these women that choose sex work, um, some of them get into it uh, not by choice, which, which we would say is completely wrong. Evil needs to stop. Nobody should be forced against their will, right? Um, but at the same time, these people that choose these things, we need to realize that they're, they're people too. I would call them their daughters of God, right? Because I believe in God, and so I believe we're all sons and daughters of God. But we need to treat people with dignity, even though we may just bristle in disagreement. We've got to learn how to come to the table and be kind and fair and treat them as they ought to be treated. They've got the same rights, or they should have, the same rights as we have, right? Amen. And I will say I'm, I'm Jewish. Um, okay. But, you know, when if this is a prime example of, you know, what would Jesus do, right? Yeah. Jesus, um, you know, we know that there are tons of... But we are uh, a Judeo-Christian country, so there's right. a Jewish component to this too, Absolutely. Right? We know there's tons of folks in the Old Testament who did sex work, um, you know, Mary Magdalene, people who we really um, hold in high esteem. I want to go back to one thing you said earlier, too, about um, folks doing this work not by choice. None of us want to see anyone doing this of work course. that doesn't and, want to. And my to. highlight point is just because you are uh, for this sex work or whatever, that doesn't mean that you're for people without a choice. I want to separate that because there's a big difference here, people. We're not saying they're the same at all. No, 
And that's the conflation we're trying to fight. Sure. Simple way to think about it is we talk about sex work on a spectrum from choice. Um, I could do absolutely anything in the world. Um, you know, I have an education. I have, you know, whatever it may be. I can do absolutely anything in the world I want to do, and I choose to do sex work. Circumstance, um, you know, maybe I lack immigration status. Maybe I've been forced out of the traditional workplace because of various forms of discrimination. Um, so my circumstances lead me to say that sex work is the best way for me to earn an income and support my family. It may not be my first choice, but there still is choice involved there. Okay. And then, of course, at the opposite end of the spectrum is coercion. And trafficking involves force, fraud, or coercion. And again, Which you know, we a thousandfold reject. A thousandfold. And we know that where sex work is decriminalized, folks who are doing it not by choice, are more, much more able to come forward and seek assistance and seek services. And the folks who are doing it by choice who might witness folks doing it not by choice are also able to come forward and say, hey, something's not right here. And, and they're more able willing to, to without fear bell. that they out themselves are getting in trouble too. Exactly. Right? There's seven states in um, our country right now that allow sex workers and survivors of trafficking to come forward when they are victim to victim. Tell, tell me those seven states, will you? Do you have them oh, off, yeah, off ooh, the top of your I head? I haven't had to list them in a while. So Colorado is the most recent. Okay. Colorado, Vermont, New Hampshire passed a law um, this last legislative session. Utah, surprisingly, it's buried way deep in, in something there. That's how they got it passed. Um, Montana, what are we up to? Four. Um, Washington State has something similar. New York. Okay. Um, In Nevada, right? No? No. No, not Nevada. No. Nevada has no. the highest arrest rate per capita for prostitution. Um, and, you know, again, this all goes back to what I like to say to people is if you hate prostitution so much, the best thing you can do is decriminalize it. Because if somebody at some point wants to do something else to earn a living going to be much harder for them when they have a, an arrest record. Understood. All right. Um, help me with a couple of things. So one uh, other end of the spectrum, one is forced to do things, which we're a gazillion percent against all of us. Should be. If you're not, there's something wrong with your head, right? Um, but the other side is somebody who says, that, hey, I'm a woman or I'm a whatever. I'm a man. I'm a, I don't know what to say these days, right? Gender-wise and everything else. But I'm a person and I want to do sex work. It's my first choice. There are those people too, right? Yeah. Go ahead. Well, a and lot you're of people. You're saying, hey, that should be their That option. should absolutely be their option and their prerogative. Um, again, bodily autonomy is the ultimate freedom, right? Um, and so one of the big frustrations we have right now is, again, you know, folks have, who believe in bodily autonomy or, of course, you know, we have this renewed fight for abortion rights. And we see second wave feminists who are incredibly pro-choice and pro-bodily autonomy as it relates to abortion, um, campaigning against folks being able to do what they want with their bodies as it relates to sex work. And so we see this inherent contradiction places as it relates to bodily autonomy, which is very frustrating. All right. I want to have an open conversation to be as fair and as, as, as appropriate as I can. And I hope I've done that. You're doing great. Um, there, there's a lot of people that have an agenda. They want to bring people on and attack them or do this and that. I think it's a waste of time. I think it's disrespectful. I think it's wrong. Um, so I never do that. But I will say this, and this is just me, and I I'm hoping you can help me kind of come to a, a greater understanding. We may not agree, but we may. I, I at least want to gain knowledge, gain understanding, gain respect or appreciation, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I grew up in a very conservative home, a very Christian home. 
you know, mom and dad, everything's stable, everything's good. When I grew up, you know, hey, sex outside of marriage is wrong, period. Uh, and then only sex with the person that you're married to. Uh, so complete fidelity, if you will, in marriage. So no sex outside of marriage, complete fidelity in marriage. Uh, and then when I hear, you know, sex work or prostitution as it's, it's called in the law and, um, you know, a little bit more of a derogatory term, I don't mean it to be, but, you know, um, uh, when people choose this uh, and or whatever, or um, it's hard to say forced to do because maybe they're not forced to, but economically they kind of are. There's kind of a deal there. How does a guy like me deal with this? I can always be kind to people because I'm Christian. I can always look at a woman and say, you know what, just because she chooses that doesn't, that, that doesn't make her any less of a daughter of God. So I can, from a Christian point of view, get there, right? I should treat her equally and kindly. Um, you know, Jesus Christ treated Mary Magdalene very kind. Many even suspect she was his wife uh, over time. So uh, how do I get there, though, morally? I, I can understand it. I can accept it. I can, I can realize it's their agency, their choice. I get all that. We need to make the laws kind of updated to, to be uh, appropriate to defend rights and protect people. Uh, at the same time, allow people to choose as they will. But how do I get here morally to say, you know what, I'm okay with it? Um, and, and I don't mean that in a weird way. I, I, I really want, though, guidance and kind of some input. Okay. So I would think that the best way to get people there morally is we know that when laws against sex work and laws... Um, Anyways, there's a lot of laws that really punish poor women, right? And so, oh, for sure. Sadly. So morally, Sadly, I would true, ask yes. you, why would you want to punish poor women further? I don't want to punish anyone. That's I know you I mean. don't want to punish anyone. But of but, course I wouldn't want to. Right, but morally, that's where we are when we talk about laws that criminalize consensual adult sex work. And again, going back to circumstances, you know, Sex work might not be the first choice, but due to somebody's circumstances, it might be their best choice at that time. And so morally, I would say, why do you want to make people's lives even harder than they already are by arresting them and, and saddling them with a criminal record? I could tell you the story of, of a specific woman. Please do. Go ahead. That I know. Sure. So this was several years ago when I was working in Philadelphia. I was working with formerly unhoused women and children. There's a lovely woman, three small children. Um, she really liked to be home with them in the afternoons. She was, of course, on a fixed income. Um, her housing depended on the fact that she had three, three children. Um, and I knew that she did sex work. That was how she supplemented her, her meager income. And that was how she was able to be around uh, her Let's children do a quick as much pause. as she wanted to be. We'll go ahead and start with the woman's story when we return, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, from this very <clears throat> difficult interview for me, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because it goes against everything that I believe when it comes to uh, the sexual relationship, etc. cetera. Uh, but we're talking to Ariella Meskowitz. She's director of communications of decriminalized sex work. DSW is what it's called. They also want to stop human trafficking, which I completely agree with. But they believe they can promote health and safety. Okay, we will never stop fighting for bodily autonomy. That's their goal. Well, decriminalize sex dot work is their website. Now, I say it was a difficult interview for me. It was because it goes against everything I, I believe. See, I believe sex should voluntarily be engaged in only between a man and a woman who they are legally and lawfully married to. Otherwise, sex is 
prohibited by God Almighty. And so that's my beliefs on it. And so when people say, you know what, look, I want to work in sex. I want to exchange sex for money. I want to uh, have sex with anybody I want to, a legal arrangement between two adults, and I want to do this. I fundamentally have a hard time with that because it goes against every fiber of my being in terms of obeying God's law. But I also realize that I don't have the authority or the right to take away somebody else's agency, right? Who am I to say they can't choose that? What choices might they encroach on later if I deny them their choices? Where does this go? How do you make the moral case? And is it better the way we've got it? I don't think so. Quick pause, and then the interview will continue on your radio. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News. I'm Tony Marusha reporting. By an overwhelming 86 to 11 vote, the Senate Tuesday night gave final passage to a bill that ramps up health care and disability benefits for veterans exposed to burn pits and other toxins. The PACT Act of 2022 passed Tuesday night. Pat Toomey, who led the Republicans installing the measure, warned that it included what he calls a trick that would permit indiscriminate spending. And a school in Utah has removed books from the shelves. Utah's largest public school district is defending its decision to remove 52 books that some parents view as pornographic. The Alpine School District has roughly 84,000 students. The district decided to pull the books by 41 authors from its library shelves after an internal audit flagged them as sensitive material without literary merit. From the West Coast USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Lance Pry. I'm Tony Marusso for USA Radio News. Mike Lindell and MyPillow offering the BOGO extravaganza right now on a whole slew of MyPillow products. Now you can find all sorts of great deals on MyPillow bed sheets, Giza Elegance MyPillow, Six Pete's towel sets, Roll and Go Anywhere pillows, much more, all priced buy one, get one free. Go to MyPillow.com slash USA, use promo code USA, or call 1-800-951-8175 and find you some great MyPillow products. They're all available. Oh, by the way, you can also get Mike's book absolutely free with any purchase, but you have to uh, go to MyPillow.com slash USA or call one 800 951 8175 and make sure you use the promo code the buy one get one extravaganza going on right now at mypillow.com a kidnapped girl's escape in alabama has led to the discovery of two decomposing bodies and the arrest of a man now facing murder and kidnapping charges police got a call monday morning from a driver about a 12 year old girl walking alone along county road 34 in dadeville tallapoosa county Sheriff Jimmy Abbott said Tuesday at a news conference the girl had been restrained to bedpost for about a week, according to the criminal complaint. Jose Paulino Pascal Reyes, 37, was arrested Monday about 25 miles away in Auburn on suspicion of first-degree kidnapping by U.S. Marshals and police, the sheriff said, adding other agencies are also on this case. U.S. job openings fell by the most in just over two years in June as demand for workers eased in the retail and wholesale trade industries, 
But overall, the labor market remains tight, allowing the Federal Reserve to continue raising interest rates. At least 4.2 million workers voluntarily quit their jobs in June and layoffs declined. This is USA Radio News. Ariella Muskowitz is our guest. We're talking about legalizing or um, decriminalizing sex work. Now, this is interesting. They don't want to legalize sex work. They just want to decriminalize it. You know what? I actually support that. You say, Sam, are you crazy? Not because I support them being involved in sex work. I think we ought to preach the word of God to everyone and teach them that, you know what, sex is a sacred procreative power given to a man and a woman who are legally and lawfully married, designed to bring children into the world and to strengthen the bonds of that marriage. I get it, but I also say you can't force legislation uh, that creates moral viewpoints. You say, Sam, wait a minute, you can uphold God's law in a country that turns to God rather than the government. Yeah, you can, and you can be supportive but when you start to get into the bedroom or into the home or into the individual agency of people, uh, you start to cause a problem. So let's get this right. I can just be involved sexually with a bunch of women. No problem in America today. If I want to marry a bunch of women, that's bad. You can't have polygamy, you see. You can just have sex with them all. You can't marry them all, for crying out loud, says the government. Then at the same time, if then somebody wants to exchange money for that, it becomes a criminal act of, quote, prostitution. But you can freely engage in that with anybody you want to. You can't marry them and you can't pay them, but you can certainly um, commit the procreative act with them. See, something's wrong with all this, folks. It's just not adding up for me. The government's morality is is part of the problem. Uh, Getting people in trouble when it's so illegal, uh, it's such a criminal act, then women are forced underground to be controlled by um, all kinds of 'er ne'er-do-well people that create their own underground government, so to speak. Vigilante law. Uh, what about decriminalizing this and letting women, um, we don't agree with their choices, but at least not be in this underground world that's worse for them than it would be otherwise. But how do we allow that to occur, but yet not have this become as if we're endorsing it or as if it's acceptable or appropriate in society at the same time? That's where the moral dilemma comes in for guys like me. Anyway, the continue with Ariella continues now. Best choice at that time. And so morally, I would say, why do you want to make people's lives even harder than they already are by arresting them and and saddling them with a criminal record? I could tell you the story of of a specific woman. Please do. Go ahead. That I know. Sure. So this was several years ago when I was working in Philadelphia. I was working with formerly unhoused women and children. There's a lovely woman, three small children. Um, she really liked to be home with them in the afternoons. She was, of course, on a fixed income. Um, her housing depended on the fact that she had three three children, um, and I knew that she did sex work. That was how she supplemented her her meager income, and that was how she was able to be around uh, her children as much as she wanted to be. And um, it was a Friday night. It's key to the story. Uh, she left her children with a babysitter. She went to go meet a client the client um, because people know that sex workers can't always go to the police. The client um, was violent with her. She fought back. She ended up breaking a window in his home while they were arguing and she was able to leave. Um, She was walking down the street trying to get home. Hold on. When you say leave, you mean escape, right? 
escape or they had their argument you know and 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 she went on her way okay well this guy because she broke a window called he called the police right and he had all the privileges and held all the cards in this situation yeah which is an absolute shame we agree there right so this woman was arrested as she was trying to get home that night she spent the weekend in jail because it was a friday night the babysitter who she'd left her children with didn't know where she was, couldn't reach her, couldn't reach her mom, who was always the emergency contact, and eventually, you know, had to let somebody know that, that she didn't know where this person was, and she had these three children. Well, now the children were reported to DCF as having been abandoned on Monday morning when she was finally able to be arraigned and see a judge and, and have some human contact after spending the weekend in jail. Um, her kids were in the custody of the state. So... And we all know that goes way south. Mom's always that best, goes right? Way south. So now her housing was dependent on having her children, right? So now she didn't have her children, so she was homeless. You can't get your children back if you don't have a house. And guess what? She was still doing sex work. So she was doing sex work with a home with her children who were very well cared for. Now she lost her children. She was out on the streets. And what was an even better option for income at this point? sex work and this whole story has this terribly unhappy ending because she was arrested for breaking a window and for being um you know they saddled her with loitering for the purposes of prostitution because she was walking down the street so of course the guy who called the police didn't say why she was there just that there was this argument and and um and so that's what that law that's what that law did That's for what us. a series of laws, really. Yes. Because yes. along the way, it got worse and worse and worse because of the series of laws that we have. Yes. One law is that you get housing. Another law is that when you don't have your kids, you don't have the housing. I mean, we go all down this rabbit hole, right? Right. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ and sex workers were both arrested most often wrongfully. That's really the bottom line. And I'm a very moral Christian person, and I really have a hard time with this discussion because... You know, it goes against my whole moral compass, right? I mean, I was raised that way. I'm 55 years old. I got a wife and eight children. I, but, folks, at some point, we've got to open up discussions and be willing to have these discussions and be willing to listen, uh, try to understand before being understood. We've got to be willing to open our hearts and our minds to realizing that, look, um, I, we're talking about God's children. I mean, even the Jewish religion believes that we're the children of God. Um, so decriminalizing sex.work is the website uh, and it's a very very difficult discussion to have ladies and gentlemen but you know what too many people are being harmed too many people are um, being abused too many people are unable to use their agency as they think best uh, Ariella Moskowitz is that right yep with us ladies and gentlemen what have I left out? I've done my best in the short time that we have to really summarize the salient points, to highlight things. We haven't talked enough about, uh, in my opinion, the trafficking, uh, human trafficking, child trafficking, sex trafficking that goes on. That's probably the last kind of point that I want to make. And then I'll give you a chance to say or bring up anything I've kind of overlooked. Uh, tell me about the trafficking because it is a separate issue. Sadly, sometimes it's linked as people are forced into this kind of stuff. Um, sex and trafficking go together. Uh, but then people's agency regarding sex is... Uh, at hand as well. Uh, tell me about the, the trafficking issue and what you do uh, regarding uh, helping with that as well. Sure. So we know that where sex, uh, 
where consensual adult sex work has been decriminalized, such as in New Zealand, trafficking goes way down because folks can come forward, as I said earlier, to sound the alarm bell. Work and folks don't have to have that third party that can oftentimes be wrong and abusive too, right? Exactly. We say okay. that um, decriminalization is the only model that puts the power in the hands of the individual, in the hands of the worker. Uh, legalization is a model that exists here in Nevada that puts power in the hands of the uh, third party and the government. Criminalization, of course, puts uh, power in the hands of the government and these bad actors, third parties. So you're saying that you're not really promoting legalization. That's no. not your goal. No. And it, it, what you're really trying to say is, look, let's get the heck government out of it. Yeah. Let's put, let people use their agency. What we don't need is just a switch from the current illegal plan now to a government-controlled plan. That'll almost add insult to injury, huh? Absolutely. Um, and to go back to your first question about trafficking, we know that trafficking around the world, it's like closer to somewhere between 80 and 90 percent of individuals being exploited around the world are being exploited in labor sectors other than sex. Sure. And this overemphasis on trafficking into commercial sex really leaves those people in the dark. Resources are misdirected um, and we you know, have this hyper focus on sex trafficking to the detriment of 90% of the individuals being exploited around the world. I want to be clear that when and where trafficking into the commercial sex industry exists, it's a horrific human rights abuse, and we want to see traffickers brought to justice. But I also need to be clear that we have a hyper focus on it in this country, and it doesn't always look for most of the time, it doesn't look like what people tell us it looks like. It's not girls being snatched off their front porch. It's not taken with Liam Neeson. It's more often um, a relationship. You know, it starts as a relationship. And, and then people are, you know, find themselves uh, having to do things that they didn't think they would be doing once that relationship starts when we're talking about trafficking into commercial sex. Um, and so we really, really do a disservice to victims by... Um, you know, creating this moral panic and this and this fear around what trafficking looks like. Girls are, you know, not being snatched off their front porch. Um, you know, it 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 might happen here yeah, and there, but, 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 it's, but the, it's the by far the exception is it's the point. It's by folks. far the exception. Yes. Okay. Um, now, last question: How do we deal with this? You mentioned that the person forced into sex completely wrong versus somebody who chooses that uh, they should be able to choose as they do. The continuum, though, in the middle is not so simple, meaning that someone does it because they have to, maybe to make ends meet, whatever, a little bit of force, but n not complete compelling. Um, but then they start on this road, and then they're kind of forced to stay in it should they choose to get out or something else. Uh, it just crossed the line to being a bigger problem. Uh, how do we deal with that line? Hold on. Me meaning who can... All right, hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. Quick pause. Sam Bushman, Liberty Roundtable Live. Very unique interview on your radio. How many times do I have to tell you? I swear, it just goes in one ear and out the other. Don't you understand English? Your children are probably too polite to tell you. Hello, those things on the side of your head aren't turnips. But they get just as frustrated when you won't listen to them as you do when they won't listen to you. Do I need to speak slower? In fact, few things show children how much they're valued and respected more than a parent's willingness to listen. Tell me what she did at work today. Studies show when parents listen, children develop better listening skills themselves. 
They also tend to have more self-confidence and are more likely to avoid alcohol and drugs. Now sit down here and tell me all about it. When you really listen, love is what they'll hear. Thank you for sharing that with me. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For more tips on strengthening your family, visit family.mormon.org. Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to localhoneyman.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at localhoneyman.com. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Ariella Muskowitz in her with me in this interview. She's Director of Communications for Decriminalized Sex Work, DSW. Uh, they want to get rid of human trafficking as well, and we're kind of focusing on that a little bit. There, there are two topics in a way, but they're linked uh, a lot as well. Uh, therefore, they're working on both of them. The interview continues now. Your problem, how do we deal with that line? Me meaning who can help kind of make sure that that line... I don't know what you want to say, is is, is respected, um, but yet not exploited. And is that the best way to ask it? Um, I think so. It's not a bad way to ask right. it. By the way, you've been doing a great job. I'm trying <laughs> yeah, hard. I really, really I'm doing my very best. It. I don't mean I, to be offensive. I don't no, mean to use the wrong words or the wrong lingo. I'm just not an expert, right? I have right? not been offended. And, you know, I really appreciate you wanting to explore these things, even they, you know, you know as you said, they go, you bristle at it, um, as a lot of folks do. Now, um, on both sides. Yeah. Because so right? and I don't mean to derail, but people like you, you, you think I'm going to sit down with this Christian network and this Christian group, and you're thinking, oh, boy. I mean, you want to do the interview, but you're also wondering how I'm going to approach it. Am I going to be fair and appropriate or kind? Or is this going to be just a battle fest or what it's going to be? And uh, sadly, you find yourself in that position some, too, right? I do. Um, it's something that I knew I would I would get into of when course. I did this line of work. I worked uh, for years uh, in immigration before that, so okay. I'm not saying you're not plenty capable of dealing with it. I don't mean that. Issues are, are are my forte in some ways. So you asked about that middle of the spectrum there, yes. circumstance, right? Sure. So here's what a lot of people don't want to talk about. Here's okay. what a lot of our politicians don't want to talk about. I'm we want to listen. Yeah, we want to make quick, easy laws, right? Like this law criminalizes consensual adult sex work. That's how we're going to fight trafficking. That's how we're going to get people to stop doing this thing we don't want to do. What's much harder, right? What's much harder is looking at poverty, looking at discrimination, looking at these structural systematic issues in place in this country that leave people out of opportunities. That's a lot more difficult. That's a lot more complicated. Um, you know, we don't want to talk, we want to talk about disability, but we don't want to talk about ableism. Um, we want to talk about racism, but we don't want to talk about white privilege. And so folks who are there in, in this middle category of circumstances, you know, we really need to figure out how we create more opportunities, how we approach people, um, 
you know, in an equitable way that allows people to, to advance and succeed. And we have to take a hard, close look at a lot of things that are difficult and that people don't really want to look at. So if we, you know, put together a misguided quick law, that looks really good for our next reelection, right? But if we actually take the time to see what a community might need um, to lift themselves out of poverty, um, to be able to put enough food on the table for their children, to get the job that they want, to get the education that they want, that's a lot harder. And so we take these quick, easy steps that make things a lot worse because it's a much harder to look at the actual systems and to treat people with the dignity, integrity, and kindness that you think that we all think we should. It isn't fun. It isn't easy. I know it's difficult for people, but ladies and gentlemen, we as Christians should be the ones taking the lead in these difficult discussions. Sadly, we're not. Sadly, we're not, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but we could. We could treat people as Christians would say, sons and daughters of God. Uh, Ariella doing her very best to carry this ball forward uh, and doing a great job in doing so. What have I left out that you want to highlight? Um, I think we covered a lot. Um, you know, I learned a lot about you. I'm, uh, it's my second Freedom Fest. so. Okay, did you go to... Um South Dakota? I was in Rapid City, South Dakota last year. Like I said, I live in yeah. Miami, so that okay. was uh, an adventure. I was glad to be there. Um, and I learned a lot from you just now. I you know, I didn't know enough before I, I sat down. Our booths are next to each other, and I've rarely gotten a chance to leave it um, because we get a lot of questions. Um, you know, And it, it's been really fun to talk to people about keeping government out of an issue that two consenting adults, um, you know, are, are involved in that doesn't hurt anyone and also like letting people know that the way we're fighting trafficking in this country is really inherently contradictory fighting trafficking is important folks we're just not going about it the right way is your point right yes sir i'm not trying to put words in your mouth i'm just trying to recap a little bit good words uh, if that makes sense all right decriminalize sex dot work right correct all right um ariella or ariella is that how you say it ariella yeah ariella moskowitz yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. All right, there she goes. And it's a very difficult topic for a lot of us Christians. It really is. But I'm telling you, we'll never be able to have respect for one another if we don't first learn to listen. You've got to try to understand before being understood. It's one of the communications techniques that we all need to learn. You've got to listen to her. Um, she's not a prostitute. I don't know if she's a sex worker or not. I did not ask her because it's not a relevant discussion, really. She's making some valid points that we need to consider. How do we protect women and children the most uh, from sex trafficking, which we all agree is wrong? Okay, we can agree with her on that. She agrees on that, right? So we've got a common ground right there. We agree totally. Let's work together to stop sex trafficking. Now, debating the best ways to accomplish that is another discussion, possibly. When it comes to sex work, look, I don't really believe sex work is a good thing. I think it's an immoral thing. I think it's problematic on a lot of fronts. But sadly, and let's be very clear, what is a woman to do if she can't support her children, if she's alone, she doesn't feel like she can get work elsewhere? No, I believe that she can, but, you know, that's a different topic. That's my belief, my opinion. She believes that this is the best way she can take care of her family. Now, I would say, well, from a moral point of view, that's one of the worst ways you could take care of your family. That's See, my bristle comes up. I start to go, whoa, wait, hold on, that's not the right way. There's better ways. 
maybe, but that's my opinion, right? You could say, well, Sam, it's a fact. Well, you know what? I might even agree with that fact, but they don't. And a woman then, can she choose to be uh, involved with another person? At what level can she be involved with that person? Can she kiss that person? Oh, yeah, of course, Sam. You, you know, no rules against that. All right, where does the line get drawn? And who draws that line? The government of all people? Are you kidding me right now? See, that's the problem. That's where libertarianism starts to become an anarchy kind of view, um, starts to become logical, where you go, wait, you know, okay, can they kiss? Well, can they French kiss? Okay, can they touch one another? Uh, what, where, where's the government going to decide that the touch police are going to come, right? Where does it become a criminal act? I believe it's an immoral act for sure. I don't know that I believe it's a criminal act. See, that's the problem here. That's where the rub really reigns supreme here. That's where, because if it's a criminal act, we're going to put the government in charge of that? You think the government's going to protect women? Well, sadly, the only reason that we're debating this oftentimes is because people lack Christian or religious teaching in most cases. Secondarily, they lack other options in many cases. Third, you know, you could do some research on this, but how many women are in the sex work by force or by choice where they've had a great home with a father and a mother who uh, are responsible and love them and care for them and provide religious teaching in other words, God, family, country as I teach it. How many, okay, we talk about these mass shooters that go crazy. Well, how many acts of immorality, whether it be killing someone, whether it be committing adultery or fornication like unto it, if you will, how many of these behaviors are linked to a broken home to start with? So a girl runs away. She ends up in trouble. She ends up in this thing. Then she's an adult. And she says, hey, it's my choice. And so she wants to continue that work. Or, uh, you know, how many people are in these kind of situations? What would life be like if families were together? If parents looked at it as a sacred duty and a responsibility to have fidelity to one another as a husband and wife? And what if uh, they had sacred obligations and responsibilities and, and beliefs that uh, commitment? loyalty, whatever words you want to use, to each other and to their children? Would there be sex work? Would there be drug abuse? Would there be um, people going crazy? Yes, there would. I don't believe that, that in this fallen world things would be perfect. But I'm telling you this, something that's become, many of these things that have become a serious problem in society, a lot of the issues would go away. Right? Now, what if a woman chooses, let me just ask you this question, in, in our society, what if a woman just chooses to sleep with men? What if she's just like, hey, you know what? I love sex and I want to sleep with men. And so I'll sleep with uh, whatever men I want to. They can come and talk to me. And if I choose to, I'll sleep with them. We don't say that's criminal, do we? But if he gives her some money, is that criminal? Well, it all depends on how the transaction happens. Sam, if he pays for her to have a place to live and food on her table, then, well, they call them sugar daddies on the Internet. Don't you know, Sam? That's okay. <laughs> Even if he's got another woman that he's married to on the side, that's not really a problem. Uh, he can pay for school for her. He can put her in a house. Whatever. Some call them gold diggers on the other side of the equation. Uh, but that's okay. But by golly, don't you dare go down to the red light district and find somebody and pay them on the spot, you see. 
You can't do that. That's out in the open and blatant, and that's like prostitution and criminal there, you see. But the problem is how we handle all this. And I don't mean to mock the situation. I'm mocking our laws, and I'm mocking the way that we deal with this and how we pretend we have the moral high ground here. If Christians were Christians and families stayed together and people looked to God, these wouldn't be unsolvable discussions, would they? See, in our effort to have government force the moral high ground, in my opinion, what we've done oftentimes is by criminalizing these things, criminalizing, say, marijuana use or drug, you know, criminalizing some of these things, what we've done is forced them underground and give the, given them really an underground uh, stronghold or whatever you want to call it is what we've done. And then we force it out of society and we promote prosecutions on TV for the bad ones. Look down here at this red light district. These evil women are just, whoa. Uh, then, then we, oh, these drug addicts, we, we confiscated this many drugs and we took this many pimps off the streets and we're really getting it done, aren't we? And we deceive ourselves into thinking that we're winning the war. When in my opinion, we're losing the war because we're forcing these people into positions that are more dangerous and more problematic. How do we balance this? That's the $64 million question, right? And I don't know the answers to everything. I know this, though. I don't want the government to criminalize everything. I don't want them to criminalize what I say. Uh, And so we need to be very careful of how many laws we have on the books and what relates to criminal activity versus, hey, you know what? It's not illegal. We're not going to make it legal. We're not going to legalize sex work. That's the other trap people fall into. They either believe that it's got to be illegal or legal. Why can't it be neither? Why can't we just say, listen? We don't have any laws relating to that. However, you know, if you force or rape someone, we have laws against that. If you uh, sex traffic, we have laws against that. I get how we got here. We got here because government wanted to regulate marriage because of racial issues. But we've morphed, 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 morphed into a society that we need to step back and relook at, not from a Republican point of view, not from a Democratic point of view. Uh, not from a partisan politics point of view, but more of a Christian point of view, not to force our Christian religion on people, but our Christianity says we need to treat them like people with God-given inalienable rights as well, and our rights end where theirs begin. And how do we come to the table and discuss this in a meaningful way that actually decreases not only criminal activity, but decreases force, decreases how do we protect people, How do we um, allow people to make their own choices? How do we balance all this in society in a meaningful way? It first starts, in my opinion, with absolute open minds and discussions. Hour one in the can. Hour two coming up. God save the republic. the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for August the 5th in the year of our Lord, 2022. 
This, ladies and gentlemen, is our two of two. And our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country to use our founding fathers and their efforts as our guide. We've got a lot of work to do, don't we, folks? Yes, we do indeed. All right, I want to do a recap uh, of yesterday's program really quick. Uh, normally, I do it the first hour of the show, so a lot of you folks that listen to Brighty on radio might not realize this, but every, every day uh, I recap the two-hour show the day before. And I do that because eventually I have aspirations that we're going to work out a way to get it on YouTube and other places where people can listen to kind of the summary of previous shows and all that kind of stuff. The problem is there's just too many things to do and not enough staff and all that kind of stuff. But it would sure be cool because I think it would increase our listenership uh, quite a bit. Nevertheless, the recap of yesterday's show starts now. We talked about Alex Jones, and Alex Jones concedes Sandy Hook Massacre was 100% real as he testifies. Now, Alex has been saying that Sandy Hook was not real. Uh, now, I don't believe uh, that Alex Jones is right when he says Sandy Hook was not real. I do believe it was real. However, I also don't believe that we've been given the official accurate details and storyline uh, from our government. I believe we've been hoodwinked and lied to and manipulated in terms of the details of what really went down by who, how, what, where, you know, etc. Were there government provocateurs involved? Was there psychotropic drugs involved? Was there some aid and helpers to the shooter? Uh, you know, all those details I'm questioning. Uh, but when you go so far as to say that it doesn't even exist, it didn't happen, between you and me, the courts are against him on this, but I think he has every right to believe that if he really believes that. But I don't know what Alex believes because he says in court different than what he said on the air. So I don't really know what Alex believes. The point is, it's a concern to me because his free speech rights are in jeopardy over this. Uh, and it's a concern to me for a variety of other reasons. Um, now, the uh, saying to the families that they're lying, that there's bad actors, that there's this, that there's that, that, uh, you know, the parents are nothing but, you know, ghost actors and stage actors and they're not really real children and everything else. Now you're getting into families. You're bordering on libel and slander saying that me as a parent, if my kid died, that I'm just a stage actor and that I didn't really have this kid or whatever else. And look, that's easily provable, folks. Either so-and-so uh, is a parent and had a kid and the kid really died and there's a birth certificate and a death certificate. Uh, are those legitimate birth certificates and death certificates? Well, good luck tracking that down because we can't even prove that Barack Obama's birth certificate's a forgery. Even though it's already been proven, we can't get that to the... <laughs> okay, so you think you're going to get that done for a bunch of children? Good luck with all that. So I don't know the truth of it all, but I know this. <clears throat> when you start to border on attacking those parents as, as if they lied and faked the death of their child, you're going beyond. Unless you can prove that beyond a doubt in a court of law, I don't think you ought to say those kind of things. That's just uh, my opinion to which I'm entitled to. Uh, but anyway, Alex Jones uh, really has gone off <clears throat> on a lot of different discussion topics like that. And a lot of what Alex Jones says is true. A lot of what Alex Jones says, there's a grain of truth in my opinion. But yet he takes something to the extreme oftentimes. In his defense, he has brought forth an incredible amount of information, though. Let's be very clear. He has brought things to light that have been forced to the national stage for discussion that would not have come to light without him. So by no means am I here to attack Alex Jones. I'm just giving you my opinion on the case. Now, they say after Alex Jones's attorneys accidentally leaked. See, I don't know that I believe that was accidental at all. I personally am of the opinion that his lawyers betrayed him. But they say after they leaked years of emails, InfoWars financial documents are revealed in court. See, I believe that 
hey, Alex has been asking for a mistrial uh, over this. To some degree, I think that's valid. I believe Alex Jones is being unfairly attacked, and right now you can say, well, those are extreme conspiratorial views. Uh, But what about when we get more towards the January 6th situation? What happens when we get more to the Ammon Bundy situation, the election fraud situation? Pretty soon, if they're able to paint things as they want them to be and you go against that, you'll be in trouble. So Free Speech Systems LLC, which is Alex Jones's company, uh, that's the company behind InfoWars, etc., filed for bankruptcy according to federal court records. Now, why did Free Speech Systems file for bankruptcy, you may ask? Well, believe it or not, Chapter 11 bankruptcies is what he filed. They generally allow companies to remain in control of their own operations and assets, and they do not require companies to liquidate their assets at all. So this may be a way for him to hold on to his stuff, right? Uh, Anyway, we talked about that in detail, and our prayers are with Alex Jones no matter what happens here. I feel pretty torn on this one because I believe that he made quite a, a big mistake in a lot of ways. When he, uh, I believe he made a big mistake when he did a lot of things. At, at the same time, I see, I can see that his free speech rights have been violated to a great degree. Look, what if he's totally wrong on the point? Can he say those things? I think he can. Uh, and what's weird to me is whenever we want to claim libel and slander, the courts back it. Meaning, hey, no libel and slander claim for you, right? That concerns me greatly. But yet when it's their side, libel and slander works. So they've literally committed libel and slander against James Edwards. They said he was a leader and a member of the KKK, patently false. But even when he sued to stop them from making those claims, they said, no problem, we can do that. You're a celebrity and we, hey, by the company you keep, we can do that. He stops fables. On the other side of the token, then Alex Jones says something, and hey, he's guilty of libel and slander. They're playing fast and loose with this right now, folks, is my big concern. Excuse me. And agree or disagree with Alex Jones on a variety of topics, I'm concerned that eventually they will take that Sandy Hook, an extreme example, which is real, even though Alex said it wasn't real. But then what will it be, the next one? Well, how about Ammon Bundy? Was he guilty of something? Well, they said he was. Until the jury said he was not. They said he was until the judge uh, threw a whistleblower and a lot of evidence coming forward to the court said, oh, my gosh, the government's guilty of all kinds of crimes here. And Ammon's guilty of nothing. So the results then come. What about January 6th? What's the real truth on what's the real truth on election fraud? What's the real truth on covid? And now we're getting into areas where a lot of us talk about it. And when we become liable and they'll say, Sam, you knew COVID was real. And you ran around and lied and said it wasn't. Well, that's not true. I said that it was real. I just said that it was a bioweapon created by the government. Sam, can you prove that? Well, that's what the hearings are about right now. Rand Paul has been documenting that it's provable. But yet it all depends on how you define gain of function. 
It all depends on how you define right? it, right? So they're backing into these cases in a very weird way that eventually will be attacking us all and violating our free speech. So we talked to Brian Rust of com. We talked to Kelly Finnegan, senior uh, chemist on the radio, about this case. We talked about the honest money report with those guys yesterday on the show. We talked about a fact check. Did the White House change the definition of recession? This is what I mean by definitions. This is all linked. If you can change the definition of recession, can you change the definition of gain of function? If you can do that, can you change the definition of insurrection? Uh, okay, January 6th becomes, now COVID's involved, now uh, you change the definition, Ammon's a terrorist. Well, is he a terrorist? Uh, they called the Hammonds terrorists because they lit a fire on their land and it got a little out of control and burned a little bit of government property by accident. Well, they say the Hammonds were terrorists, right? Well, then the government does the same thing, but there's no harm, no foul. When the government lights a fire called a backfire to try to stop fires and, and thin out the forest and be responsible, when theirs got out of control and burned a bunch of private land, the government didn't get in trouble. But see, the Hammonds are terrorists. Do you see how the definitions are changing? Now, Wikipedia has tried to change the definition of recession now 41 times. Donald Trump Jr. stated in a Twitter post, apparently the White House is changing the definition of recession this week so we can pretend we're not in one. So now we have pretend legislation, all kinds of laws on the books called mandates. Go look at your Declaration of Independence, right? Uh, you got all these issues. Where does it all go, right? We talked about credit scores for millions were wrong by Equifax, and it caused all kinds of problems. It affected reports, possibly changing interest rates or flat-out denying people access to credit. So what's the truth there, then? How do you recover from that accountability crisis? They say he lost $187 million in Bitcoin. He has an idea how to get it back. His name is James Howell. And he has a latest plan involving AI. He lost a hard drive that contained all of his Bitcoins. It got put in the dumpster overseas. He wants to hire a group to sift through the dumpster using AI. The same kind of AI that monitors you and I. Face scanning or face scanning um, technology or whatever you want to say. But this would be searching for the hard drive to find it so that he can get his Bitcoins back. So far, the governments won't let him. But then you got Rutgers University now challenging Dr. Fauci. His name is Dr. Richard Ebright. And he testified before the U.S. Senate on Wednesday. And he said top health public officials lied about dangerous gain of research function or dangerous gain of function research. Okay, so what's the truth? Who's lying? Does government become the ministry of truth? Liberty Roundtable live in seconds. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. 
Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. Look for our lesson supplements too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to lovingliberty.net. Abby Johnson was once director of a Planned Parenthood clinic in Bryan, Texas. After a moral crisis, she quit, and now she campaigns against what she once endorsed. They implement abortion quotas in all of their clinics. What do you mean quotas? You have to perform a certain number of abortions every month. Um, one of the reasons that I left... Are they explicit about that? Yes. It's, it's in your budget, right there on the line item. Uh, one of the reasons I left Planned Parenthood was because... Uh, in a budget meeting, I was told to double that abortion quota. And for me, as someone who had spoken to the media and had said, you know, we're about reducing the number of abortions, we're about, you right. know, prevention, all of these other services, I was shocked. So to since this. you actually worked at a Planned Parenthood, give us some sense of the relative number of abortions. Okay, abortions, Planned Parenthood provides over 330,000 abortions a year. They are the largest single abortion provider in our country. Back with you live. We're in the recap of yesterday's show. We talked about senators on a key Homeland Security subcommittee are now arguing for an expansive um, gain-of-function research review. Yeah, they say that could have created the COVID-19 virus. So the problem is, hey, what claims can you make about any topic? And will they back into saying, you're not telling the truth, you're engaged in fake news. Twitter took me down over that. Now, Dr. Robert Malone saying that COVID-19 vaccines hinder the immune system, lead to more severe illness, theepictimes.com. This phenomenon is the result of a process called immune imprinting, whereby initial exposure to a virus strain may prevent the body from producing enough neutralizing antibodies against the newer strain. Yeah. This process is reinforced by multiple inoculations, which means it gets worse the more you take the vaccines. So there you have that. We also talked about, do you support busing illegals to D.C.? I'm mixed on this because I don't believe that's the real answer. I believe we need to deport them. Sending them to D.C. only passes the buck, if you will. I guess it's better than doing nothing to at least make D.C. realize the problem, but the mayor and others are freaking out now and well, will that really result in solutions? No, they'll just distribute these people around the country more is all that will really happen. So you got to prosecute criminals. Does the government have authority to uh, let our borders leak like a sieve and not protect us from an invasion? See, that's where the government needs to be accountable. We need to hold people accountable. But nobody wants to stand up. Nobody can get the DAs and the sheriffs and uh, everybody on board to, to uh, take action. Anyway, I digress. We then had an interview with a guest named Dave Shostokas. He's an attorney and he's an author of two incredible books. Constitutional Soundbites is one of them. And the second one is Creating the Declaration of Independence. Uh, Shostokas.com is the website. 
S-H-E-S-T-O-K-A-S, Shostokas.com. That was a great interview, but we talked about his Constitution educational series called Constitutionally Speaking. And we talked about the Declaration is the inspiration and the Constitution is the execution. That line came from uh, Dave. I'm not sure where he got it, but that line, uh, in my opinion, is absolutely brilliant. And one of the great keys to understanding the the proper role of the Constitutional uh, Republic, folks. All right, that's a recap. Now, today's news continues now. And uh, InfoWars host Alex Jones was ordered to pay $4.1 million by an Austin jury on Thursday. Wow. This is chilling, folks. I don't know if the jury uh, is a fully informed jury, but it needs to be. I believe the jury probably got bogus instructions from the judge. Uh, I believe there's a lot of problems in the courts these days regarding that. Nevertheless, $4.1 million, and now they're going to be assessing more and more and more fines or penalties or whatever you want to call it for Alex Jones. This is scary uh, because free speech systems had to declare bankruptcy. Now, even though I don't agree with Alex Jones on all topics, uh, you know what? He has the right to say what he wants to say. Did he cross some lines? Yes, he did. Is it wrong? Absolutely. But should we shut his company down and absolutely destroy his um, professional career over this? Well, that's not what happens to the big media guys when they do this kind of stuff on the opposite side of the equation, right? What about when they told us uh, about the coronavirus and and told us all kinds of lies about the death rates and everything else, and they lied, lied, lied? What about Fauci? His lies are fine, but Alex Jones's, I don't know what you want to say, lies or missteps. or um, Fauci would say, well, they're not lies. Well, Alex Jones would say they're not lies. Both of them, though, in some ways are wrong. Can they be wrong? When is there malice or intent? I would say that there's greater malice and intent by Anthony Fauci by far than Alex Jones, if, it, if you want to come to the truth on the news versus fake news. So anyway, I'm here to tell you that I'm defending Alex Jones in the sense that I think the punishment was way beyond the so-called crime. I think he has every right to his free speech rights, and he could believe something that's erroneous. Um, the debate is, you know, does he believe it? What if you say something you don't even believe? Do you have the right to do that? When do you cross the line of libel and slander? Well, if they don't cross the line in the big media against James Edwards, how does Alex cross the line? Well, Sam, because it's just it's heinous, these uh, 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 attacks on these families that, well, maybe. That's fine. But how much money and how much do you destroy someone's whole life and career and everything else over this? And what then repercussions come out of that court case as a precedent-setting narrative to go after the rest of us? Yeah, Sam, you said that you didn't believe uh, that January 6th went down the way the government said it did. You can't say that, Sam. We're going to find you. Look at all the families of, of the, the police officers that died, and, and now you're saying that, Oh, man, that guy didn't get hit with a fire extinguisher there. The media said that it did. In the hearings against Donald Trump's impeachment, they even said that the fire extinguisher hit and killed the cop. And now that's not true. But, Sam, you said it wasn't true when, well, it isn't true, but that doesn't matter. You can't say that. See, where do we go? Very big concerns and questions. Also, Elon Musk fires at Twitter, citing fraud. Twitter called the claims false and irrelevant. The battle's on who will win. Only time will tell. Interesting uh, battle continuing.
Twitter becoming worth less and less money as it all goes on? You know, um, how much uh, it'll cost. Maybe um, maybe Elon Musk will just be paying a billion dollars to get out of his deal, and, and that billion dollars that he pays, maybe he'll just destroy the whole company on the altar of this thing. It's crazy. They're all very foolish indeed, in my opinion, but there you have it. The Department of Transportation, by the way, is now proposing changes to federal policy they, that really will help you and I, they claim. They say that it guides flight refunds, providing more recourse for passengers when airlines cancel flights or significantly alter a flight's schedule, route, or seat categories. Uh, you know, seat categories now where they have these basic seating and all this other stuff, right? If a new federal policy goes into place, or effect, if you will, they say Americans will have more recourse with the airlines and when they cancel or significantly delay flights. Now, you say, Sam, are you for that? Well, everybody would clap and say, yeah, we need some kind of bill of rights for travelers. Um, I get that, and I don't disagree. On the other hand, I don't know that I want to applaud this legislation because it sounds good on the surface. My problem is where does government get the authority to control airline travel in the first place? Why is air travel different than street travel or train travel or any other kind of travel? See, the the mistake is letting government be involved in the travel industry in the first place. The mistake isn't that we demand, you know, a voter bill of rights or whatever. Um, Why don't we let airlines compete in the private sector like everybody else? Why do we have government controlling taxis and Uber and Lyft and Amtrak and Greyhound? And why does government control all of our transportation? Did you know that's one of the planks of the Communist Manifesto? So I understand the changes to federal policy, but see, they're making changes to federal policy and adding these so-called protections for us without even congressional involvement. They're just going to have a 90-day waiting period. Let the public comment and then just on the fly change it. I would submit to you without authority. It's a serious, serious problem indeed. Also, now U.S. calls rise of monkeypox an emergency. So, look, they might let go of COVID because they know we beat them on that when Americans started to stand up and say, "Uh uh-uh. But now they're going to basically push, and they got the measles starting to flow. They got the monkey pox now in emergency, and everything points to mandates and vaccinations and lockdowns, and they have learned this vaccine, race, and climate change are the three, I don't know what you want to call it, Achilles tendons, if you will. Uh, Wow, plus abortion. You put those four together, and you've got a recipe for tyranny, folks. By the way, they say Tuesday's resounding referendum. Victory for abortion rights supporters in Kansas now provides some evidence that the political landscape has shifted. It was a 59 to 41 smackdown margin. 50 or 9% said, yeah, we want to retain abortion rights. And 41 said, no, it was an overwhelming, almost two-thirds victory for the abortion promoters in a very strong Kansas Republican stronghold. Now they're saying, hey, the Republicans are betraying us and saying, we want abortion rights. Now, believe it or not, they're saying that same reality check. They didn't expect it. They were surprised. But that same reality check via referendum 
Abortion rights, they now claim via referendum, let the voters decide, might win voter support in 40 states. Folks, that is insanity. Vote fraud to make abortion legal again? <laughs> Liberty Roundtable Live. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News. I'm Tony Marusha reporting. By an overwhelming 86 to 11 vote, the Senate Tuesday night gave final passage to a bill that ramps up health care and disability benefits for veterans exposed to burn pits and other toxins. The PACT Act of 2022 passed Tuesday night. Pat Toomey, who led the Republicans installing the measure, warned that it included what he calls a trick that would permit indiscriminate spending. And a school in Utah has removed books from the shelves. Utah's largest public school district is defending its decision to remove 52 books that some parents view as pornographic. The Alpine School District has roughly 84,000 students. The district decided to pull the books by 41 authors from its library shelves after an internal audit flagged them as sensitive material without literary merit. From the West Coast USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Lance Pry. I'm Tony Marusso for USA Radio News. Mike Lindell and MyPillow offering the BOGO extravaganza right now on a whole slew of MyPillow products. Now you can find all sorts of great deals on MyPillow bed sheets, Giza Elegance MyPillow, Six Pete's towel sets, Roll and Go Anywhere pillows, much more, all priced buy one, get one free. Go to MyPillow.com slash USA, use promo code USA, or call 1-800-951-8175 and find you some great MyPillow products. They're all available. Oh, by the way, you can also get Mike's book absolutely free with any purchase, but you have to uh, go to MyPillow.com slash USA or call 1-800-951-8175. 8175 and make sure you use the promo code the buy one get one extravaganza going on right now at mypillow.com a kidnapped girl's escape in alabama has led to the discovery of two decomposing bodies and the arrest of a man now facing murder and kidnapping charges police got a call monday morning from a driver about a 12 year old girl walking alone along county road 34 in dadeville tallapoosa county Sheriff Jimmy Abbott said Tuesday at a news conference the girl had been restrained to bedpost for about a week, according to the criminal complaint. Jose Paulino Pascal Reyes, 37, was arrested Monday about 25 miles away in Auburn on suspicion of first-degree kidnapping by U.S. Marshals and police, the sheriff said, adding other agencies are also on this case. U.S. job openings fell by the most in just over two years in June as demand for workers eased in the retail and wholesale trade industries. But overall, the labor market remains tight, allowing the Federal Reserve to continue raising interest rates. At least 4.2 million workers voluntarily quit their jobs in June and layoffs declined. This is USA Radio News. All right, Sam Bushman live on your radio. Man, hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use just keeps it rolling, doesn't it? Last hour, we talked to Ariella Moskowitz, director of 
Communications of Decriminalized Sex Work, DSW. Uh, they want to stop human trafficking as well. I agree. A very interesting topic. If you want to hear that last hour, check it out. And then this hour, we talked about InfoWars. Ordered to pay $4.1 million. Free speech concerns all over that thing. Musk fires at Twitter. They're going to destroy the whole company while they fight. That's interesting enough. The Department of Transportation is now creating changes to flight refunds and airlines and everything else that will supposedly give us more rights with the airlines. But my response is, why is government in the, in the middle of travel at all in America? There's no travel authority in the Constitution. By the way, the travel control of you know government and travel, and that's all part of the Communist Manifesto, folks. Go look it up if you don't believe me. Control of transportation, a serious plank in the Communist Manifesto, not the Constitutional Republic, folks. We talked about U.S. rise of monkeypox is now an emergency. They don't care. They know they've lost it on COVID. But with COVID and measles and monkeypox and who knows what else is coming down the pike, they have learned that vaccinations or illness can control even the healthy. That's never been done before. As they push for the tyranny, they will use vaccines. They will use climate change. They will use uh, the assault on all your First Amendment rights, right? They will use abortion, now resounding win by abortion rights supporters in the conservative state of Kansas, 59 to 41. It was a smackdown for pro-abortion. And now they say abortion rights might win referendum or voter support in 40, 40 states. You look at that and you go, wow, will they commit vote fraud to now legalize abortion again? Wow, that's a scary scenario, to say the least. All right, we've got a great interview now. Rod Collins, selfmanagementcollaborative.com. He believes a unique thing. He doesn't think we need bosses in top-down managerial control of businesses. He believes you can flatten the organizations completely, and everybody can work as equals. Listen to the interview. See if you agree. It starts now. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman continuing live from Freedom Fest. Man, the great guests just keep coming on. We're having a fantastic time in Vegas. What stays in Vegas doesn't, or what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas this time, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you right now, our guest, Rod Collins, is with us. He's with the Self-Management Collaborative. And these guys are changing the game when it comes to leadership, when it comes to organizations, when it comes to Uh, Innovative Solutions for Collaboration and More. Rod, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Thank you very much. Great to be here. All right. Tell me your position. Are you the founder? Uh, I'm a partner. You're a partner. There's three partners. We're a business alliance. All right. Uh, Tell me about the collaborative. How did it come to be first? The way it came to be is uh, one of our partners uh, worked for a company called Morningstar. It's a tomato processor. It's been around since 1990, and it's never had a boss. And, okay. and I had an experience of working in a traditional organization, uh, a business. Traditional alliance. meaning top down, right? Uh, yes, that's correct. And I headed up a business unit within that. That was a business alliance of 39 separate companies. And I was able within that context to set up a network structure. Um, and so uh, what self-management uh, is all about is an entirely different management model to the top-down centralized hierarchy. 
It is a self-managed peer-to-peer network. Its fundamental principle, its design principle, uh, unlike the hierarchies that say the design principle for them is trust authority. And in a hierarchy, you give, you leverage the intelligence of an elite few, you let them do central planning, you give them coercive power, they drive ideological conformity, and of course they expect compliance. And hold on, ideological conformity just due to their own whims too. That's correct. Not, not with some logical plan for success or stability or, or you know proven scientific methodology, it's just to their whims. And I wanna highlight that because it's important to understand the shift, right? And I wanna build on what you just said. All right, sir. Not just their whims, their unconscious biases. Their cognitive Of course, and they don't even mean them, but they happen because of their experiences in life, because of their leadership style, because of their problems, whatever the case may be, right? That's right. And and all of us have unconscious biases. Of course. Just the fact of being human. Now, if you design a network, your design principle is nobody is smarter than everybody. And what you do is leverage the collective intelligence of everyone in the organization, and you set up structures so that everybody can contribute. You don't do central planning, you do iterative discovery because we're in a rapidly changing world. And rather than coercive power, you have collaborative power. The power emerges from the interactions of people within the context of teams. And they welcome diversity of opinion because that's the fuel of innovation. It is also the substance that drives collective intelligence. And you're not aimed towards compliance, you're aimed towards agreement. What you're doing is tapping into a great brain trust. Exactly. exactly. I like that you call it a brain trust because the problem with the hierarchy is we limit our intelligence to the single human brain. If we set up a network where people interact, we really interconnect their brains to create a higher brain, a more intelligent brain. And this is important because collective intelligence is able to tap into two places that hierarchical organizations can't. And those two places are what they don't know that they know, and what they don't know that they don't know. And that's where your trouble comes. Now, what do I mean by what you uh, don't know that you know? There are people in the organization who have knowledge that if you put them together, it would create new knowledge. So you have that knowledge, but don't know you have it. Also, there's data spread throughout your data systems that you're not able to tap into. But in a rapidly changing world, what kills you is what you don't know that you don't know. Now, traditional organizations are good at what I call linear thinking. And they're good in two other boxes. They're very good at what they know they know, because they're experts at that. And they're very good at what they, what they don't know that they know, because that's when they hire consultants. And they're also very good at slowly plodding along with what they know and then taking the next step and the next step and the next step, but a very, very slow and very, very... I don't want to say disorganized, but but what it amounts to is this methodical approach that leaves them behind. Oh, I, I, I think it's so important you point that out because what happens when you work in networks is all work is done in the context of cross-functional teams. And with everybody in the same space at the same time, it's the key to speed. Because if something pops up that affects another person, they can react in real time before you've done any work. It's also how you uncover the unknown unknowns. It's how you, you discover information you knew but didn't know you knew it that's how that happens it's right. holistic systems so it's not a top-down design everybody's peer-to-peer i get that right yes help people understand a little bit then wait a minute if nobody's in charge and everybody's in charge but yet what right that's that's what's so difficult for people because they wonder how can anything get done if nobody's in charge and the reason they think that is because their whole life 
their whole experience, all five senses and beyond, even the sixth sense, has this idea that somebody's got to be in charge for right. crying out loud. That's the way it's always been, Rod. All right, so let me give you a real-life example. This is a sure. Bel Belgian company. It's called Birdsog. Birdsog was started by a, a, a guy who worked in a traditional home health nursing situation, which is very important in the Belgian culture. And he thought this was highly inefficient, and what he did is left it to start his own company. He organized his nurses into groups of 10 to 12 people and gave them complete autonomy to make all their decisions, and he assigned to them each 50 patients. What happened was they reduced the cost of home health care by 30, more than 30%. Why? Because when the teams organized their work, they tended to send the same nurse back to the same patient, and the patients got, got, got recovered or better faster than when you're sending a different nurse, uh, you know, for each different vi visit. Today, yeah, that, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Because the brain in that scenario develops relationships of trust, yep. history is applied, you get this ability to on the fly understand what needs to be done beyond a I'm going to do a task basis, right? Yes. yes. Okay, keep going. Perfect. Because I now, think this is important to get. It's this holistic ability that we have. It's not artificial intelligence. It's real intelligence, baby, on the fly. Uh, you got it. And All right, like, go ahead. And, and Birdsog today employs more than 70% of the nurses in Belgium today. They went from a startup to employing 70%. Why? The employees liked it better. And it, it cost less, and it gave better health care to the patients because the decisions were made by those closest to the patients. All right, so let's say me and you were on this group of 12. All we're right. two out of 12, right? All right. You got these 50 patients. We're managing that. We're taking care of them great. We're sending the right people to the right people. We're doing a great job. Um, uh, it's, it's basically uh, jettisoning problems by its very nature. But a problem arises. We disagree. What happens? All right. So if a team cannot resolve an issue with, uh, with, uh, by themselves, generally in network structures you have a group of facilitators who you can bring in who will help the group uh, get to the consensus they need to achieve. And they might do that by bringing other people into the conversation or using sophisticated facilitative techniques to help the group get to where they get to. And a lot of times what it really amounts to is bringing more knowledge to the table, bringing solutions that have worked elsewhere to the table, things that the group internally have not thought of. Again, tapping into this brain trust, right? Exactly. You keep expanding the brain power. That's how you do it. All right. So we bring in facilitators. They come to a solution. Uh, and hopefully everybody's happy with it. If not, some people leave the organization that attrition happens and new people come in and things like that happen. It's very dynamic. That's okay. Who cares? Uh, that's the way life is. It's always that way. Some people aren't going to sign up for solutions anyway. Uh, so we just continue to move along. How do people decide to get paid? And how do people decide, um, uh, you know, we're going to give raises? Or how, do, how do people decide all these things, right? In these types of networks, they have compensation committees. And in some instances... And so the compensation committee is outside of these 12? Uh, yes, yes. It's, okay. an, it's, a, it's a, another team that's put together for this purpose. They may participate on other teams. The, that the, they did, so they the did point work. is this teamwork, and, and, I, and I actually know a little bit about this, if you can tell by my questions. Yes. Um, I'm doing this on purpose. So the idea is this, this collaboration team or this compensation team, they're not above or below anybody else. They just have a certain responsibility. 
That's right. Nobody's above or below everybody else because it's not a hierarchy. So we're talking about responsibilities, and people gravitate towards responsibility-based self-management. Let me explain. Homeschoolers do this very well. Mom teaches son a little bit about math. Pretty soon, son loves math. He becomes this great math. Before you know it, man, he's 12 years old and he knows more than mom does about math. And then he goes on his own, and pretty soon the guy's writing computer code. And pretty soon, okay, that doesn't happen because the guy's um, great at cooking. It happens because he's learned where his expertise are. And he gravitates it toward, towards it naturally. And he excels at it. And then he's just on that team because that's who he is and what he does, right? And teams help to bring out and, and leverage the strengths of the individuals better than hierarchies. In a hierarchy, when you have a boss, that boss is not talented in all the skills necessary to do the job. In a team, leadership will be distributed among the members according to their strengths. So decisions are made always in the context of those strengths. And leadership will shift around through the course of a project. So somebody may be very good, for example, at brainstorming. So the group may turn and say to that person, you lead us through the brainstorming because you do that real well. Someone else may be very skilled at organizing. Well, you need to lead the organization. Somebody else might be very good at sales or marketing. You do that. So leadership is something that everyone is involved with. Um, uh, there's, I mentioned before that my colleague worked in a company called Morningstar. Uh, when that company was visited by the, uh, uh, the management guru, Gary Hamill, he commented to the founder, he said, you don't have any managers here. And Chris Riffler, the founder, turned to Barry and said, no, you got it all wrong. Everyone is a manager here. And everyone feels that responsibility. And so you have a company that's full of, of contributors. Now, they're not stepping over each other because no single person can make a unilateral decision. And so the teamwork puts them in a situation where they've got to come to agreement. That's the end point of the network, not compliance. It's agreement. Right now, when we don't have the resources internally to deal with this, how does the reach outside to grow the brain trust uh, work in practice? I think a company, no matter what its size is, has the resources to do it. What they need are the processes that they can aggregate and leverage their collective intelligence. That's why facilitators are important. They are skilled at some of the processes to bring people to higher levels of intelligence. Uh, in hierarchical organizations, the only way they know how to process human in, in, uh, information is they debate. That's it. And the idea in a hierarchy is whatever idea survives the debate battle must be the best idea. Not so. What you want to do is pull the strength of thinking from diverse perspectives into a higher level of intelligence. Facilitators can help to do that. I think any group can do that if, if they learn the processes uh, that help that happen. Selfmanagementcooperative.com. Self-management collaborative. Oh, collaborative. Selfmanagementcollaborative.com is the website, ladies and gentlemen, to learn more. Now, you guys have a program, and you talk about wiki management, right? Well, I wrote a book called Wiki Management a few years back, but it is about, uh, it's about the principles of self-management. The well. idea of Wiki Management, though, is just to help people understand that you can reach out to this source for greater knowledge. The great Wiki is, hey, I want to know something. I go to the Wiki, and I can know it. And if it's a new topic, I can start it, and somebody else can add to it. And pretty soon it becomes 
the, the idea teaches the principles is the point, right? Yeah. Well, the idea, the original business model of Wikipedia was to leverage collective intelligence of everyone to write the pages, and that's why I named it Wiki Management. But I'm yeah. saying that's the kind of principle that we're talking about here, though, applied it's, to self-management and to organizational management, yes, right? It's leveraging collective intelligence rather than elite intelligence. It's, it's understanding nobody's smarter than everybody, and don't trust authority. Because authority is riddled with unconscious bias. It's really the libertarian answer to company management. It really is. All right. So tell me then, uh, putting in the real world, if people go to your website, is there a program they can sign up for? How do people learn the principles and apply them? Well, if people are interested in transforming their organizations from hierarchies to networks, we can help them do that based on the unique experiences that we've had in working in these types of organizations. And is it a reach out consulting relationship? It, uh, it, yes, it would be. All right. Yeah. Fantastic, sir. Anyway, hopefully I've made some sense on the radio. I'm not an expert at it, but I know a little bit about it. Uh, and hopefully that'll help folks kind of have uh, their minds and their hearts sparked to say, wow, um, at first it sounds impossible, but it's really not, folks. It's learning how to apply these principles uh, in a meaningful way that can help you kind of um, get started. It's the kind of thing that it, that it snowballs a little bit. At first it seems impossible. Then you get a little bit more uh, experience and pretty soon you go, I get Okay, I see. And then you come across a problem and you reach out further to other folks and pretty soon they've solved that problem before. There's very few things that are really innovative and new these days. It's really the reapplication we're talking about here, right, um, is kind of the key here. Selfmanagementcollaborative.com. Uh, Rod, what do you want to say to the world that I've kind of left out? I mean, I know we can't cover it all in one interview, right? But what have I left out that's vital that people ought to know? I think the most important thing is don't let single individuals make key decisions. Understand nobody is smarter than everybody. And I think as we get into the digital age, if we, use, if we develop technology properly, what we need to do is expand collective intelligence, not use digital technology to create draconian hierarchies. Nobody is smarter than anybody is the point, right? Right. Nobody's smarter than everybody. Than everybody. Yep. And we can work on this by turning to others, by respecting others. And it starts with these collaborative groups. People collaborate towards their own expertise. And as we reach out to one another, man, we can make progress. Absolutely. All right, sir. We sure appreciate it so much. Thank you very much, Rod. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Ladies and gentlemen, Rod Collins doing a phenomenal job. Selfmanagementcollaborative.com. And this is Liberty Roundtable Live. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present day church. Rather, it is for the end time church, the body of the line of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? 
Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. So here's kind of the interesting thing. I did that interview uh, about this flat model, whatever you want to call it, I, I don't know, this peer-to-peer model uh, of business running or of organization running. And uh, Rod Collins has a lot of valuable points. His website, selfmanagementcollaborative.com. And uh, the idea is wiki management is kind of how this idea started. Uh, ushering in a new model for collaborating. Nobody is smarter than everybody is the concept. And I think it's it's great in theory. I don't know how well it works in reality. And let me explain what I mean. My goal uh, when I interview people, and this is really important to understand, my goal when I interview people is never to attack them. Okay, I interviewed the sex worker last hour. I interviewed this guy at this hour. These are concepts that I, I, I'm having an open mind about. Uh, and I understand a lot about them. But that doesn't mean that I agree with all of them. It's kind of like libertarianism. Where does libertarianism end and anarchy start? Well, some say a few election cycles. <laughs> but the, the reality is, you know, where are the lines? Our founding fathers realized that you can't just have everybody self-governed. You've got to have some kind of government or a vacuum of tyranny fills. And you don't, you lose liberty. So you got to give up a little, little bit of liberty to have more liberty. Well, you look at the way God sets things up, and He doesn't have a, a complete peer to peer model, right? God puts parents in charge of children, and He's in charge of everybody, right? So there are layers to systems. How do you get the best outcome? And my personal opinion is He's right that we ought to have our organizations a whole lot more flat than they currently are. The corporate world is disaster and top down. And if you're in the middle or the lower layers, shut up and do what we tell you. What you think and feel and believe doesn't matter. Well, that approach is just as wrong as a 100% flat model approach. I would look at the founding fathers' guidance on how to create a proper role of government as the way to create a proper role of an organization, personally. Which means, hey, there's got to be some structure. There's got to be checks and balances. There's got to be dual sovereigns. There's got to be a way to work together. And then they say only immoral people can keep this together. And I think that's true for organizations as well. So do I support a flatter model? Absolutely. How far we go in that is the question. Do we have to have some form of a flat model? Yes. Do we have to have some form of a top-down or somebody's in charge? Yes. What about a husband and wife relationship? It's a good example. Is the husband in charge? Well, you got to debate what's in charge. Uh, He presides. Does that mean he's a dictator? No, of course not. Does his wife need to follow him around? No. Do they stand by side, side by side 
uh, as equals? No, they're not equal. He's probably taller than she is. She's prettier than he is. They're not equal, but they should have equality. We need to realize these checks and balances or these differences are not designed negatively or in competition. They're meant to be complementary. A husband and wife have equality in their their roles and their capabilities and their talents and their natures and are designed by God for complementary roles, not adversarial. Uh, the checks and balances in America are complementary by nature. They're supposed to protect us. They're supposed to work together. They're supposed to. We're not supposed to have one get out of control. So the courts are not at odds with the president. They shouldn't be. The goal is to have harmony. But when things get out of line, how do you handle it? Well, I agree in a way that nobody is smarter than everybody. The great think tank of a flatter model has real, real value, real uh, application. Uh, but the checks and balances have incredible application as well. But also, uh, God in charge of his children and the world is certainly top down. Me in charge of my family is a good steward taking care of my children. Working side by side with my wife is a great check and balance model. In my personal opinion, I understand that I listen to all these approaches, but my personal takeaway would be, let's look how the Founding Fathers worked on that blend to create the greatest country on the face of the earth. It's probably the best we're going to get till Christ himself comes. Well, we could do that in corporations, too. You could create a, a, a corporate, um, I don't know what you want to call it, but guideline or bl- blueprint is what I'd call it. You could create a corporate or an organizational blueprint that could take a lot of these different features and capabilities and blend them together like our founding fathers did with the country. Um, if you want my opinion, that's the best man's going to get until Christ comes. When Christ comes, what will we be? A theocracy? Will we have a king? All right, so I believe that this guy's got a lot of merit. It was a great conversation. But if you want my humble opinion, I don't argue with my guests on things that I disagree. I bring up concerns and things. But I always want my guest to be the center stage hero. That's why they're on. And I want to learn from them, not spank them and show them how smart I am. And so I always treat my guests kindly. And I might bring up concerns so that I can flesh out their arguments and the discussion points. But I never try to attack my guests. Others do that. I don't believe in it. It's not a drive-by attack. It's a hopefully a friendly conversation, and we both walk away learning something. Uh, there you have it. Thanks for being alongside for the ride. Donate liberally. We need all the financial support we can get. LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net. Spread the word. Share the love. BrideyOnRadio.com. And God save the republic. <laughs>